beginning at verse number one. The Bible declares, now when they had escaped, they then found out that the island was called Malta. And the natives showed them, showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw that this creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer who, though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. Verse number five, but he shook it off, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered him no harm. Somebody say fire. It is simple, but that will be my title today. Fire. Amen. You may be seated. It is the resounding truth of life in time that tribulations without a doubt will come. That storms will at some point throughout our life, find themselves reigning over us. And these are things that no one can outrun. These are things that no one can avoid. For Jesus himself declared in John chapter number 16 and verse number 33. He said, these things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. Notice that Jesus directed the peace to being something that we find in him. But he, did, he made the statement, he said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. None of us can escape the trial, fi- trying fires of life. But we all must at some point face whatever it is that God would allow to come into our lives that we may not necessarily agree with. Job, writing in Job 14 and 1, he said, man who is born of woman is a few days And full of trouble. At some point in our lives, there's going to arise a situation or a circumstance that all of us would, if we had the choice, would rather bypass or go around. But there are those times in lives where, in seasons in life, where things just happen because it was ordained or willed by God. Hear me today, first and foremost, we must come to grips with the fact that as long as we are alive in this earth, troubles and trials will always exist. See, it's easy to say amen to something like that when you're in the house of God. But on Tuesday, when everything just goes wrong, now all of a sudden it's like, God, what's going on? Why is this happening? It's, it's almost as if we forget That Jesus' initial statement was, be of good cheer. But he said, you can find peace in me, but just know in this world you will have tribulation. You see, as one of the main reasons that God would oftentimes in the Bible manifest this trial, this testing was by fire. And fire is a necessary tool and God's tool chest for the, for the perfecting or the bettering of the saints. God uses fire throughout the Bible to serve a number of different purposes. God 
use the, 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 the instrument of fire to consume or destroy. We find that in the instance, Brother Ron quoted and talked about this morning, in the instance of Moses standing before the burning bush. The fire was consumed, but it was not burned. God also used fire and brimstone and destruction when he destroyed Sodom and, Sodom and Gomorrah. God also used fire when Elijah built an altar unto God and God came down and consumed the, the sacrifice by fire. But then there's those moments where God uses fire to try and to purify. This is seen in the instance of Job's life, and we quote it often. Where Job said, you know the way that I take, and when you have tried me, I shall come forth as pure gold. He was alluding to the fact that the trying and the testing that he was going through God was, in a way, purifying him, removing all the impurities out of his life, all the little nuances in his life that maybe he could not see with his own physical eye. But God would put a microscope to his heart and God would begin to look deeper into the hearts of each and every one of us. And it is his desire that he would use the fire to begin to burn out all those things that are not like him in our lives. I understand that a lot of us aren't going to shout today, and I've just taken it upon myself to just believe that's my role. Every time I preach, I wish sometimes, God, I could just preach faith. But, but God wants to help us tonight because I, I believe somebody's going to get victory here today. And that is exactly what God desires for you to have because, hear me, it is not the will of God. It is not the will of God for you to not be able to maintain the same amount of power, the same amount of authority that you feel on Sunday throughout the remainder of your week, Monday through Saturday. Hear me, my assignment here today is very clear. It's to speak to those of you who struggle to maintain that same awesomeness of God's presence that you feel on Sunday. You struggle to maintain it Monday through Saturday. You wake up on Tuesday and your reserves are somehow depleted already. To those who limp their way into Thursday night service down to an altar and say, God, you got to refill me again because I can't make it. Hear me, understand, I know there are going to be moments in time where you do get overwhelmed. There are going to be those moments. But for some of us, we've made it an every week occurrence to where every single week we're dragging into the house of God saying, God, oh, woe is me, fix me, feel me. When God is saying, you need to be laying on your hands on somebody else and saying, God, fix them. God, feel them. But because you're so consumed, not with the fire of God, but with your flesh. Because let's be real. Those who mind the things of the spirit, or those who walk in the spirit, mind the things of the spirit. And those who walk in the flesh mind the things of the flesh. In other words, if all you're thinking about is fleshly things, God, why is this happening? God, and just worry, 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 anxiety, depression. That's flesh. Because it's human nature to worry about something that you don't have the power or the ability to fix. But it's God's nature. To fix and to preserve all of those things which you cannot fix or you cannot preserve. 
But we have to be the one. Somebody say it's on me. See, at the HF campus, this whole beginning of this year, we've been preaching on our responsibility. Because a lot of us want to push the responsibility off on others. Brother Ron talked about it, and I wasn't going to dabble here, but he talked about it this morning. Talking about pushing things off on pastor. Hear me right now. You, you want to know why a lot of us struggle or some of us struggle in this area of submission to our pastor? It's because we first haven't submitted to God. Because when you submit to God as king, when you submit to God as the sovereign Lord, guess what? When the man of God speaks, you understand and know, okay, that's a word from God. That's God's voice, but he's coming through the conduit of my pastor. But we want to fuss and gripe with pastor. Like he said, pastor can't heal you if he wanted to. He cannot deliver you if he wanted to. He cannot get you out of your mess no matter how much he loves you and cares about you. He cannot do it. Why? Because he's not God. So quit looking at the man of God as if he, as if he is God. And get your eyes on the one who... I was listening to a sermon this week. I listened to it like three times because God just working on me. But he quoted Vesta Mangan, and Vesta Mangan said that what you do not bring to bring to God to counsel you on, the devil has freedom to counsel you on. So you want to know why you're needing counsel after every service? You want to know why you're constantly needing somebody to give you a word of encouragement? It's because you're not getting your counsel from God. You're looking to people. You're looking to man and saying, hey, give me a word. Give me a word. Where, are they, where do you think they're getting that word from? They're getting it from God. Why don't you just cut out the middle, man, and say, God, I'm coming to you myself. God, I need a word from you. We waste so much time and energy looking for, ex looking for acceptance from other people, looking for somebody else to just say, oh, it's going to be okay. If you just go and you have a prayer meeting with God in your own time, guess what? God will give you exactly what it is you're looking for. It comes from God because he's the only one that can give it. Man, man cannot give you what you're looking for. I don't care if it's love, acceptance. You cannot get that from man. Until you understand the perfect love of God, you won't even be able to receive the, be able to receive the love that man is trying to give you. Until you know and understand that perfect love comes from God. When you receive that in somebody, do you struggle receiving comment or compliments from other people? Some may not, Sister Vera, but some, you may not, but some, some people do. If you struggle in receiving compliments, somebody just tells you, oh, you look nice today. Ah, oh, no, nah, I look like trash. And we laugh about it. 
But there is something going on internally that isn't right. Why? Because when you understand that God loves you, guess what, honey? He, he has the very hair, hairs on your head numbered. When he formed you, he didn't step back and look at you and say, oh, it's just okay. I could have done better. No, God said when he created man, he stepped back and looked and he said it was good. So quit speaking over some, something over your life that God never spoke. Telling yourself you'll never be good enough. I'll never be able to do this. I'll never be able to do that. Guess what? You keep saying it. You're never going to be able to do it. But it's like, listen, as long as you're speaking death, guess what? It's, that's all you're ever going to find. You know, a grape tree can't produce anything but grapes can't produce oranges so if you keep doing the same old thing thing, same old thing and expecting the fruits of the spirit but you're living in the flesh you're never going to be able to produce or see what God is calling you to see and produce if you don't push aside your fleshly nature and say God it doesn't matter what storms come into my life it doesn't matter what hell I got to go through God I'm committed to you God I'm committed to your word God I'm committed to my prayer life because let's be real about it are you reactive or proactive are you always responding to something when life happens? Or are you just walking forward as if nothing else, nothing ever just happened? Okay, here's another storm. Okay, I'm just going to keep on walking. But how many of us, remember the Bible says we walk by faith, right? So we're constantly supposed to be in a state of motion. But how many of us, when life hits us in the face, we do this? And we stop, and we camp out, and we throw a pity party, and we try and drag others into our pity party. If, you, if you're that person, don't be that person. If you want to whine and complain, whine and complain all by yourself. Don't be trying to pull other people into your, into your worry, anxiety. You sit there and camp out on your own. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to believe God's going to help you. But I'm not joining you. Why? Because God said he would keep those in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. Honey, I can tell you right now, your mind ain't stayed on God. If you're sitting there saying, oh, woe is me. Why is this happening? But we always, a lot of times, We'll stop and we'll start to complain. Why is this happening? Why is that happening? And I want to give us the reason why that is. And it's very simple. It's very simple. Because in our text we find that Paul and a number of other individuals, they had been shipwrecked. They survived the storm in the sense that they're no longer out in the middle of the sea. Floating on a random piece of wood just trying to hope that you're going to make it to shore. They're still in the storm because we read in the text that the Bible says that it's still raining and it's still cold. But what is it that we find Paul doing? We talk a lot of times about how when he put the wood in the fire, the snake jumped out and bit him. 
and that's good. But the very fact that Paul was gathering wood to fuel the fire speaks volumes to me. Because a lot of us, we're the individual that's around the campfire already, and we're just so say, God, I'm so cold. God, it's so cold. It's still raining outside. Why am I here? But then you have Paul who has an understanding that if God brought me to it, I'm just going to go as if life is just going on. I'm going to go gather some wood for the fire. You want to know why this, a lot of us struggle Monday through Saturday? It's because we stop putting fuel to the fire. When life happens and we stop, guess what? What happens to wood, especially if it's raining and you don't put any more fuel on there? It burns out. And then we say, God, where are you? Where, what are you doing? Why are you? you know, we would have a lot more faith if we just conditioned our minds. You know, you see in the sports world, they have something called muscle memory. Where they do the same thing over and over and over again so many times that it just happens. You can have an athlete who's been hurt, been, out of the, been off the court for three months, come back and guess what? His jump shot looks exactly the same as it did before. Why? Because he's ingrained it into his memory and his. Oh, that was revelation for me right there. Look, if you can get your body to just respond, even when your mind doesn't want to respond the right way, guess what you're doing? Even when your mind is saying, God, where are you at? Guess what you're doing? Going down on your knees in prayer. Why? Because you've ingrained it into your memory. God, when things go wrong, I don't complain. The first thing I do is I pick up this word and I find myself on my knees saying, God, help me. You will forever struggle in your prayer life and in your walk with God if it's not consistent. And that's why we always have to drag our feet in here on Thursday and Sunday saying, God, feel me, feel me. Because our fire is burnt out. Not because God isn't still the all-consuming fire, but because there was no more wood for the sacrifice. If there's no wood for God to consume, don't blame it on God that you're not feeling anything. <clears throat> Some of us struggle to believe that we can maintain our fire while it's still raining all around us. Remember Pastor Anthony's cousin, the Darren Davis. Y'all who do, don't know, I grew up with him, my home church in Alabama. And I remember he preached a sermon there. And he, basically, he was talking about this same subject, and this is what God kind of laid it on my heart. But he said it's possible to build a fire, not just to maintain one, but to build one. So if you don't have your fire started yet, don't, don't exclude yourself. It's possible to build your fire even in the midst of your rain. And it's very simple how you do it. You just have to make your fire bigger than the rain. 
Ooh, that's revelation for me. I don't know about you. But when you're going through life and it seems as if you're stuck, you, you of all people know yourself better than anybody else. You know when you're striding, your walk with God goes from a normal camp to you dragging. It's at that moment that we have to begin to learn ourselves and say, I'm dragging a little bit. Maybe I need to put some more fuel. Notice I'm not talking about the fire of God because we talk about the fire of God a lot. Yes, it represents power. Yes, it represents authority. But there cannot be any power in any authority, again, if there's no sacrifice. Paul said we present our bodies a... Okay, it's time to quit quoting it, and it's time to start living it. Every day you wake up, you got to put yourself on the altar. To this world, it doesn't make sense to say, God, I submit my mind to you. God, I submit my emotions to you. God, I submit my will to you. It doesn't make sense to the world. But guess what? You're grabbing, you're grabbing some wood, and you're putting it on the fire. You're grabbing wood, and you're putting it on the fire. And all of a sudden, guess what? Your fire just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And when the storms of life come, guess what you say? So be it, God. So be it, God. God, I'm going to be confident of this very thing that he which had begun a good work in me. He's going to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's what your internals begin to do. Why? Because when you condition it into your heart and into your mind, guess what? It is your first response. Instead of complaining, worrying, and going down the avenue of anxiety. And those of us who have been there, that's a hard hole to get out of. You can avoid it entirely if we condition our hearts and our minds to every single day build that fire to God. You want to see a church on fire for God? Start having people putting, building their altar of sacrifice every single day. Because the fire that comes down from heaven is as only as great as the wood and the sacrifice that was put on there. Talking about going deeper in God. I'll tell you right now, Josh Herring always messed me up, but he messed me up in a good way. Sister Candy told me to listen to the sermon that he preached on a perfect pattern of prayer. If you've never heard that, you need to listen to it. It's on YouTube. Perfect pattern of prayer. Forever changed my prayer life. Forever changed it. For those of us who struggle with praying for longer than 15 minutes or the first thing we, when we come into to prayer with God and the first thing we say is, God, I need this, I need that. You need to listen to that. So from this point on, you can't say, I, can't, I don't know how to pray longer than 15 minutes. God just told you what to do. You need to watch it. I remember Tuesday I was praying and I, <laughs> I didn't even get into the tabernacle and I was praying like 50 minutes. I'm like, dog, I got to work. They're getting up early or something. But if you want to continue to go deeper in your walk with God, it's your responsibility. Come on, somebody say it's my responsibility. You can't put it off on so-and-so and just try and match their speed and say, okay, we're both just going to coast at this level. You want to coast, I'm going to coast. No. At some point, you have to make up in your mind that, God, I'm not satisfied. 
not satisfied. It's another thing that we do, and we don't even realize it at times. Josh Herring, again, I've listened to a lot of his preaching lately. But he talked about going to different levels in God. And he gave the example of, of picturing yourself in this room, and above you in the ceiling there's a ladder. And he said a lot of times what children of God and people of God will do is you'll climb the ladder to that next dimension or that next level that God has called you to, and then you'll just stay there. And then you'll just camp out. But he said God spoke to him and told him and reminded him, hey, reach back down, pick up the ladder, and set it back up because I want you to go higher from there. How many times have we began in our prayer life or got to a place in our prayer life where we were just satisfied? Man, this feels good right here. No, that's not the will or the desire of God. God created, if we cannot exhaust God, then understand and know there is, there is never an amount that you can pray where you can say, oh, I prayed enough. Because if God is inexhaustible, which basically means he never runs out, he never runs dry, you'll never, no matter how long he's been in prayer, you'll never begin to be able to understand all of who God is. So why stop with newfound revelation? You see it throughout scripture. God gives an individual revelation. And then something happens and pushes them into further revelation. I don't know if there's a reason why it happens. But I just got to feel like sometimes God does it to push us. He's got to look at some of us and be like, you've been camped out of there a long time. I'm bring a storm. I don't know, it's my philosophy. I ain't gonna I might try, I ain't gonna try that. I ain't gonna tempt God like that. <laughs> you better watch me say you get in trouble to try to. But could it just be? Just a thought. That there wouldn't be as many storms and trials that come into your life if you're constantly and persistently pursuing after God and God isn't making you or trying to nudge you further and deeper in relationship with Him. This whole thing, it is not predicated on what God can do. It's not predicated at all on God's ability to do anything. It's predicated on, upon you and I making it our responsibility to every single day say, God, I'm putting wood on the fire. Doesn't matter what it looks like. Doesn't matter how much rain is coming down all around us. God, I'm not going to stop putting wood to the fire. Woo. Do you know what the problem is for some of us? We don't have that deep desire and that deep will to push ourselves out of that place. Think about the story of the four lepers in 2 Kings. First 2 Kings, I forget which one it is. But they made up in their mind, they said, said, we can either stay here and die, or we can at least make an effort and we still might die. But some of us have made up in our minds that we'd rather just, we made up in our minds, I'd rather just stay here. Rather than make any effort, you know what that speaks to? We begin walking by what we see more than what we know. Ryan also alludes, we walk by faith and not by sight. We have to condition our minds 
to not believe what we see. You say, oh, I'll never get there. You won't get there if you don't practice it. Practice don't make perfect, but it does make you better. You won't be the same way you were before if you actually something happens and you say, God, help me to get my eyes on you. I don't care if you have to pray that same prayer for 15 minutes. You pray it until you feel that your eyes have lifted off of your problem and have set on God. Why? Because you're conditioning your mind to serve God. God's not going to make you serve him. God's not going to make you lift your eyes and look at him. We have to take it upon ourselves. Say, God, it's my responsibility. It's my responsibility. But if we're not doing it, don't expect God to do anything. Don't expect God to move when you're not willing to move. The writer said, draw nigh to God and then. Some of us got a twist. We just say, God, come find me where I'm at. Come find me where I'm at. And we look at the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost son, and parable of the lost sheep, and we say, God, you did it for them. Yeah, but they were lost. You're not lost. Let that sink in. Next time you want to pray, God, come find me where I'm at. Nah. God said, if you seek me, I will be found of you. And what did Jesus say? For everyone that asketh, receiveth. For everyone that seeketh. If you have not conditioned it in your heart and your mind to seek after God no matter what's going on, guess what? You're always going to be that one that's sitting there, fire dwindling right in front of you, and you're saying, God, please come help me. Please come find me. Not trying to be mean. Trying to help you. Because there is power and authority that comes. When you condition your heart and your mind to not respond to the situation in such a way that you have to throw a pity party, but to respond in faith and say, God, if it's, if it's your will that it comes into my life, then so be it. And guess what? As you begin to walk forward, you're no longer looking at your problems, but you can look on the problems of others. Because notice, when Paul put the wood on the fire, Everybody else around him noticed it. They begin to ask questions, which opens up the opportunity for ministry. And you wonder why God can't use you in ministry. What's the status of your fire right now? Until. Until we get in the habit of constantly and consistently putting wood on the fire of our lives, we will never be able to walk in the authority and the power that God is calling us to walk in. Why? Because it would be sporadic. God would be like, oh, I can use you today. You're on fire. But then come Thursday, now I got to build you back up again. Can't use you today. When was the last time God used you while you were still complaining? Think about that. And I guess, and I say it zero times. Because God cannot use someone who's so focused and inundated on what they have going on in their hearts and their lives that their focus is not on those around them. 
You're never going to see somebody else hurting and somebody else's pain if your focus is solely on you. That's why Paul said, walk in the spirit. Because the spirit doesn't think like the flesh does. Because when the flesh wants to whine and complain, when you're walking in the spirit, the spirit says, I'm taking care of you. Look at that sister right there. She's going through this. I'm taking care of you. Look at that brother right there. They're going through this. How is it that we forget so easily? Seek ye first. The kingdom of God. You know what that shows? When we don't believe that, it shows we don't believe it. When we can't respond to a storm that comes into our life in such a way that it just says, God, if you brought, it, brought me to it, then I'm just going to trust you to get me through it. And then you, you put it in the hands of God. And you leave it there. How is it that we think that God is any different than he was yesterday? Same thing happened to Elijah. Called fire down from heaven. Next thing you know, he's running from Jezebel. Fearing for his life. As if he just forgot that they put buckets and buckets and buckets of water on wood. And watch fire come down from heaven. Not a match. Not a lighter. I don't know about you, but I'd be pretty convinced of God's power if I saw fire come down from heaven. I'd be a little in fear and awe of God a little bit more than I was before, too. But that's how easy it can happen in a moment. When we open up that door to the enemy, because we don't take the counsel to God first. I'm telling you. I'm not going to say it. But God has everything that you need. Everything. If you would just take it to God. First, here's the thing, and I don't, I don't know if I have Bible for this, but this is how I believe it happens. If you present your need to God and you take it to God first, then God is released to talk to your pastor or your spiritual authority about what you have going on. Because what are you doing? You're submitting it to God first. Hear me, if you haven't submitted it to God first, and then you try and go get a word from pastor or somebody, some other minister in the church, and they give you a word that they feel is from God, you may not receive it. Because you have not first submitted it to God and put it in his hands. But when you submit it to God first, then spiritual authority is released to have... If you don't ask God about it, we know he already knows about it because he's omniscient. But still, time and time and time again in the Bible, God said, ask, 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 ask. Why? Because we're acknowledging in the asking that we don't have the power or the ability to fix it. So us asking God isn't a sign of unbelief. It's a sign of faith. And saying that God... I can't fix it, but you can. 
submit it to God first. And then God is released to speak it to somebody else. And thereby they can help you, give give clarity to you, help you through it. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. It's not the minister that does the exalting. It's not your pastor that does the exalting. But God said he would exalt you in due time. But none of this is applicable to any one of our lives. If we don't make it a practice to every single day, no matter how bad it's raining outside, spiritually speaking, does not matter. You will always walk defeated in your life, always, until you understand that I have to bring this to God. And hear me, it's not the first thing you bring to God when you go to God in prayer. Solomon said, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. The first thing you do in your prayer time with God should not be to ask God for anything, but it should be to lift your voice and thank God for everything that he's done for you. That right there alone will change your prayer life. But we have to condition our hearts and our minds to get it into our spirit that that how we respond is not the same way that the world would respond. God is calling us to respond in an entirely different manner. Stand with me, if you will. It's our responsibility. I'm telling you, if you if you do this, your prayer life can be changed, and one tomorrow your prayer life will be changed. And here's the thing. As Paul was putting wood on the fire, guess what? It was still raining. The rain didn't cease. But guess what? The fire never went out. Hear me right now. You you can last a whole lot longer than what you think you could if you'll just consistently and constantly put wood to the fire. Don't matter how long it rains. It can rain for 40 days and 40 nights. But as long as there's wood on the fire... Guess what? You could still thrive in the kingdom of God. But the moment you stop putting fuel to the fire is the very moment that God quits consuming it. We have to. If you're one here tonight that struggles throughout your week, keeping your eyes on God, struggling from day to day, living from God, living for God. Then I'm speaking to you right now. And hear me, there's nothing to be embarrassed about. Nothing to be ashamed of. Why? Because we've all been there at some point in our life. And that's the awesome thing about the, about the church of God, is that we're just a bunch of broken people that God has anointed and is still using. You're not the only one that has things messed up in their life. So it's no excuse to say, God, well, this is just going on. So-and-so never went through something like this. There's no. That's an excuse. It's time to get rid of all the excuses. 
and say, God, it doesn't matter what's going on. His commandment doesn't change. He doesn't have exceptions. Well, I mean, you're going through that. You don't have to pray today. It's all right. Man, I understand that happened. You don't have to. No. The commandment of God is still the commandment of God. So we have to understand God will honor his word. I'm telling you right now, I feel in the Holy Ghost right now, God will honor his word if you will just pursue after him. If you'll be faithful to your constant and consistent putting wood and fuel on the fire, God will be faithful and obedient to the word that he has spoken over your life. But not until then. It's up to us. So again, if you're one who struggles in this area and you're constantly having to be replenished every time you come into service or every time you come into prayer meeting, God is constantly having to replenish you. And again, understand there will be those days. But I'm talking about where it's your every week, every month, every year thing that you're living in this perpetual cycle of not being able to get victory, not being able to get. Then this is for you. And God wants to impart into you a desire and a passion tonight to pursue after him like, he's ne- like you've never pursued after him before. And if you want that, I want you to come down to this altar right now. If you want it. Again, I'm not going to force you to do anything. God's a gentleman. He's not going to force you to do anything. 